0: Today, we gather around a table, our central image for our time of worship today. We gather because we have been invited by God to partake at Christ's generous banquet of grace. And if we were in the sanctuary today, we would see on the front of our communion table the words, in remembrance of me, If you've been in other sanctuaries and worshipped in other places, that might be a phrase that you've seen elsewhere. It's one of the, the most common things that we think of as we celebrate communion. We do this in remembrance of Jesus. We gather around this table, we break bread, and share the cup in remembrance of Jesus. And that got me thinking this week about how memory and meals frequently go together as we think about the annual rhythms of holidays and special times of gathering in our families and friends and communities and as you think about a meal that you have frequently shared with your loved ones perhaps a, a Christmas dinner and the one particular dish that is always there on the table for Christmas dinner or gathering for Easter and preparing a recipe that many generations before you have always prepared. And then gathering around that feast and thinking back and remembering stories of other holidays that you've shared and times you've gathered with loved ones around that table. We gather at this table in remembrance of Jesus. We gather to remember Christ, our Savior. In our Reformed tradition, we have a phrase that we use when we talk about this feast, and we talk about the real spiritual presence of Jesus in communion. We say that the bread and the cup are not literally Christ's body and blood but we affirm the real spiritual presence of Christ in the sacrament. By the grace of God and in a spiritual mystery, Christ is not limited to the first century, but really joins us here and now at this table of mercy. That, I believe, is something similar to what happens when we remember. Remembering can be a way of inviting the real spiritual presence of Jesus to join us and be present with us here in our lives, in this meal, as we together as a community break the bread and drink from the cup. And in our everyday lives as well, By the grace of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit, when we call to mind God's steadfast love, God's compassion, that love and compassion joins us, is really present in the mystery of a real spiritual presence. When we think on God's goodness to us in the past, somehow, some way, God really joins us again here in the present moment. Remembering has great power to invite the presence of God into the here and now. Conversely, throughout scripture, forgetting is seen as a common indicator of our human condition. We, as fallible people, Forget the covenant. We forget God's faithfulness. We fail to remember to walk in God's ways sometimes. Forgetting is synonymous with our brokenness. Our finite reality. Jesus said, remember me. Remember me. Had he thought that we always would consistently, without exception, remember him, he might not have pointed that out so clearly. But he said, when gathered together with those dear friends, remember me. Simultaneously acknowledging that we would forget, and then drawing us right back in once more, remember me. That's why we gather at this table so frequently to be fed over and over again. But which parts of Jesus' life do we most frequently remember? Do we remember his teachings, his compassion, his justice? Which stories do we call to mind? The ways that he reached out to those who had been shunned by society? the way he surprisingly undid our propensity to blame others by inviting the one among us who is without sin to cast the first stone. What do we remember about Jesus? In this text that Jamoke read for us today from 1 Corinthians, Paul gives us what, together with three accounts from three other Gospels, make up our communion liturgy. This retelling of the Last Supper shapes the way that we celebrate communion, and the theme of remembering Christ is central in the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the cup. But there's one part of this text that we read today that I find myself wanting to hurry past. It says, for as often as you drink this bread, uh, excuse me, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Proclaim Jesus' death? There are so many things to proclaim about Jesus. Why proclaim his death? I would much rather talk about his life and his teachings or his resurrection, conquering the grave. Why proclaim death? When we have a funeral or a memorial service, we frequently refer to them as a witness to the resurrection. Even in that time of grieving, we witness to the resurrection of Christ. Each Sunday we gather to worship. Why do we gather on Sundays? Because Sunday is resurrection day the day we celebrate God's power to redeem and restore and even bring back from the dead. And so our weekly calendar witnesses to the resurrection with time of worship on Sundays. So why proclaim Jesus' death each and every time we gather at this beloved table? I recently read an article written by Mark Charles, who is a Native American speaker and writer, uh, currently living in Washington, D.C., previously from a Navajo reservation. And Mark Charles tells of a time when he was at a restaurant eating dinner with his wife in a small town in New Mexico, a border town to the Navajo reservation where he lived at the time. That town, incidentally, had, uh, shortly before the time that he visited that restaurant, that town had been named the most patriotic small town in America in a nationwide contest that one organization put out. And so Charles was uh, seated at a table in this restaurant and noticed that directly facing where he was seated, there was a framed poster of the Declaration of Independence. He writes, When our server, who was also native, came to the table, I asked if I could show him something. Then I stood out and pointed out that 30 lines below the famous quote, all men are created equal, the Declaration of Independence refers to natives as quote, merciless Indian savages. The restaurant that day was filled with Native American customers and employees. And there in plain sight, a poster hanging on the wall was literally calling all of them savages. After they had talked to their server for a few moments and then the server left and uh, invited the manager of the restaurant to come over to the table, then after that interaction, Charles, noticed another native couple who was also seated near them in the restaurant and had taken interest in their conversation. So he invited them over and showed them the same offensive line hanging over our table. They were astounded, Charles writes, this other couple, that through their entire education, they were never told that the Declaration of Independence referred to Natives in such a way. And this is the dilemma faced by Native Americans most any day. The foundations of the United States in which we live are blatantly unjust. This land was stolen. Native peoples Africans and many other minority communities, Charles writes, have long been recipients of systemic racism, and the roots of it are right there for the entire world to see, printed in many of our founding documents, like the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, and the United States Supreme Court case rulings. We announce it. We flaunt it. We celebrate it. He writes, as a nation, we embrace this history because we are largely ignorant of the true nature of our past and have never been held accountable for our actions. He goes on to talk about the doctrine of discovery and how many of us, as people living in the United States, are hardly aware of all of the implications and ramifications of this doctrine of discovery through which Europeans claimed land inhabited by other people. A majority of our citizens celebrate in ignorance. Sometimes we have to intentionally remember the difficult things in our past. Sometimes we have to give attention to learning the most gruesome chapters of our collective history. We need to have an accurate historic portrayal of our national past. We need curriculum in all of our schools that tells the truth about our history, even the most difficult parts of our history, the truth about our actions toward Native Americans, the truth about our history of chattel slavery and other injustices that have been carried out in the name of our country. The point of remembering some parts of this past is so that we will learn from it and we will not repeat it so that we might move from a past of injustice toward a future of greater equity so that we might know the place from which we started in order to accurately chart a path forward toward real justice and we must also remember all the chapters of the story of Jesus even the parts we prefer not to dwell on Jesus died Jesus was put to death by the state Executed because of his insistence on God's ways of justice, Jesus died. And each time we gather around this table, we proclaim that death. But the phrase used in 1 Corinthians continues. We proclaim his death until he comes again. Not if he comes again, but when he comes again. Death is an important word, one we must learn and grow in our understanding of, but death is not the last word. The last word is a word of Jesus coming again, new life arising from a place of death. When our collective memory accurately recalls the death of Jesus, we can then be people who are ready to embrace the new life to which we are called. Then we can be fed, nourished, truly sustained by this meal of grace. Mark Charles goes on to conclude his article by writing this. You can still light your fireworks and eat your barbecue as you celebrate a hard-fought victory over the British. But at the end of the day, I humbly ask you to conclude your celebrations with the following prayer. May God have mercy on the United States of America, and give us the courage necessary to create a common memory. May God give us courage today to look honestly at our past, our nation's past. May God give us courage today to look honestly at the history of our faith, the fullness of Jesus' life, looking clearly at his death so that we are prepared for God to lead us into the new life that is ahead. Thanks be to God for this gift.